The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Lynette's Shrimp House, located in Highland Park. It's Metro Detroit's premier destination, serving juicy fried shrimp, fish, and wings, alongside soul food sides and new additions to the menu, like turkey tacos and desserts. Located at 13548 Woodward in Highland Park, just north of the Davidson, Lynette's is open for takeaway, noon to 8, Tuesday and Thursday, noon to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, and noon to 5 p.m. on Sunday. Call now, get some Lynette's. Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Craig Fawley Show on Deadline Detroit. Very glad to have you with me today. And today on the program, we need to talk about something quite important, actually, here. And it might not be something that you've thought much about or heard much about at this point. But apparently, there is a plan being hatched in the Michigan legislature right now, which would significantly change the delivery of mental health care services in this state. Now, this is not a new idea. This is something that has been bandied about for many, many years. Some suggest that this is an important step in terms of codifying care and making sure uh, that we better coordinate care. That's what this is basically being billed as. But basically would transfer mental health services to private insurance companies away from the community-based agencies that handle it right now. Joining me to talk a bit more about what is being proposed here is my friend Tom Watkins. And Tom, of course, is the head of uh, president and CEO of TDW and Associates. But before that, he was also the head, uh, president and CEO of the Detroit Wayne Mental Health Authority and formerly the state superintendent of public instruction here in the state of Michigan. He's been a guest on the program. I don't know how many times at this point, but he has a lot of expertise and we welcome him today. Hi, Tom. Hey, it's great to be with you, Craig. And in fact, uh, I was the state mental health director yep. under Governor Blanchard, a deputy and then a director. Yeah. Uh, so you were, so, I've, so I've been around the block, you know. Well, and, and not just that, but you've you've also been there for every major change that the system has undergone. I mean, because back during the Blanchard administration, Michigan was still dealing with a, a lot of uh, hospitals. Uh, right. That got transferred to community-based mental health services. And now we're talking about another potentially huge seismic shift in the way we deliver mental health care uh, by transferring a lot of the decision-making over to private insurance companies. Now, let's talk a bit about what is being talked about here. I mean, because really the argument is for what they're calling a fully integrated physical and behavioral health system here in the state of Michigan. They suggest that coordinating care under uh, an organization that maybe is already handling your physical care is somehow going to lead to improvements and potentially lower costs in that system. Uh, others are suggesting it's just a money grab. But from the, what you understand of what's being proposed right now, uh, what do you see it as? Well, what has happened, and you're right, this battle has been going on probably since the mid-90s, uh, to take $3 billion a year of my tax dollars that have been given to uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, government agencies to provide care for some of the most vulnerable people in the state. 300,000 people that uh, require services because they're seriously mentally ill, intellectual and developmental disabilities, people with substance use disorders, and take those dollars and transfer them from the public uh, control, public oversight to uh, oftentimes profit-making uh, shareholding uh, companies, uh, insurance companies, uh, referred to kind of in a less uh, maybe painful way is health plans, but it's private insurance companies. The bottom line is to make a profit. And uh, those of us who've worked 
uh, in the public mental health system uh, believe that these dollars should uh, remain within the public purview and have public uh, oversight, public boards, so parents, consumers, and those of us uh, who work in the system can make sure that it's about service and not uh, profit. Well, you know, profit in the healthcare system is something I've been railing against for a long time. I, I mean, it's it's our, our system is not uh, working the way that it should compared to other uh, healthy systems around the world. That's a, that's another debate. But at the same yeah. time, let's talk about why mental health services were sort of separated out to begin with, uh, because many people might argue that, hey, you know, it makes sense that that everything is sort of integrated because mental health is a key component to our physical health as well. Absolutely. And uh, it was set aside uh, in, in the 60s. I remember one of the last pieces of legislation uh, that Pre- President Kennedy pushed forward is the Community Mental Health Act of 1963 to move people out of uh, large, uh, antiquated warehousing state institutions into the community and provide community oversight uh, of that system of care. Look, at the end of the day, we should have integrated care. Uh, we can't separate the head uh, and the mind uh, from the rest of the body. Uh, but the issue should be who is going to provide the oversight and control? Uh, is it going to be a system that's going to be set up to provide service or to maximize profit? Uh, we have health corporations that have been started, uh, these health plans, uh, that have sold for billions of dollars. And I don't believe that Congress, when they set out uh, passing Medicare and Medicaid, that they said we want to make individual families billionaires. Uh, by selling. These are public dollars. There ought to be appropriate public oversight. And the argument that I would make is if we want to integrate care, and it's about, uh, if that's about the the issue, then why not have the public oversee uh, that responsibility? Why does it only go uh, one way? Why can't, does it have to just go to the the private profit-making healthcare uh, system, the the insurance companies. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things about this so far is the level of sort of secrecy that's been behind this. I mean, you know, these documents that were, uh, I believe, uncovered by the Detroit News first, but but were labeled confidential. Uh, they clearly did not want a lot of public discussion before these bills got introduced on the floor of the legislature. They have yet to be introduced formally, uh, maybe because uh, of the fact that the information got out there quickly. But this seems to be such a fundamental shift in what we're talking about uh, that this needs some robust public debate. And it doesn't look like that that's what they were looking for. Absolutely. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, anything that's done in government in the dark of the night versus the light of the day isn't usually good for those of us who depend on uh, this level of care uh, for somebody in our family. Because let's uh, deal with it. This is an issue. Mental health, substance abuse issue impacts one out of every four families uh, in this state and in this country. Uh, So there should be public oversight of that $3 billion of yours and my tax dollars uh, that are being spent. And we want to assure that families, consumers uh, are getting uh, their money's worth and we're not just enriching uh, a few at at their bottom line. Now, at at the same time, I mean, it's confusing for a lot of people how the system actually works in the state right now. There are a number of different agencies that handle different sections right. of the state, different populations. It's not always the easiest thing to navigate for families. Uh, I mean, there there is an argument to be made for a streamlining of that aspect of it, but it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be done through the Blue Cross, Blue Shields, uh, Total Health Cares, HAPS of the world, does it? 
No, it doesn't. And in fact, I, I, I believe that there are things that we can and should do. Um, when at the Detroit Wayne Mental Health Authority, uh, we did some significant things to save, redirecting tens of millions of dollars uh, to care uh, in, in the private side. Those dollars would have gone into the CEO's compensation, would have gone back to the to the uh, shareholders. What we did is by efficiencies and effective management of that organization, we literally uh, provided tens of millions of dollars of additional service. Uh, we consolidated two substance abuse major agencies into one, saving $5 million, again, redirecting to service. Uh, we, uh, through better management of our health system, even for our employees, uh, were able to take those dollars and convert them into a $2 an hour increase for our direct care staff. The question that I would ask, would those decisions, would those choices been made, been made in a profit-making system? The answer is clearly no. Uh, what is that old, uh, I think it was the parable or the story of the uh, scorpion and the frog, uh, where the scorpion asked the frog to take me across the river, and the frog says, why would I do that? You'll sting me. Oh, no, the scorpion says, I wouldn't do that. And so the frog thinks about it, takes him across the river. Halfway across the river, the frog feels a pinch in his side and the scorpion had stung him. And he turned around and said, why did you do that? And he said, it's my nature. Well, it's the nature of profit-making organizations to maximize profit. The way that they do that is to reduce the level of service, deny service, uh, reduce the length of stay, uh, for people that need hospital care, uh, that way you can maximize profit. That's not what I think that the taxpayers of Michigan want for some of the most vulnerable citizens in our communities. Well, give me a sense, Tom, from your perspective as to how those corners might be cut. Like what types of services might be impacted uh, by somebody that's worried about profit? Because again, therapies are, are much different today than they were, you know, 30 years ago, when we moved away from the hospitalization system here and to this community uh, mental health based system that we have now. What services are you providing that you think uh, uh, an insurance company, for instance, would be like, that's just too expensive. We don't want to do that anymore. Well, you think about it. Would we, would we want to profitize our fire department? We, we want to make sure. I mean, what the community mental health workers do is run towards risk, run towards problems, try to find ways to assure that somebody who's intellectually and developmentally disabled can live an authentic, self-determined life. Uh, as opposed to finding the least expensive way in order to uh, provide the minimal, minimal level of care. Um, people that are listening to this uh, ought to ask themselves if they've dealt with a system trying to get care for their elderly parents and ask themselves, do they feel that most of the decisions um, in a lot of those facilities are being made in the best interest of their mom or dad? or the best interest of the bottom line of the people that are operating those facilities. We don't want to have to ask those questions 10 years from now um, when care is being denied uh, to somebody's mother, father, sister, brother, son or daughter, people with serious mental illness, uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities, and people with substance use disorders. It's just the wrong public policy. And the governor, uh, the leadership of the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, and the legislature ought to hit the pause button on this and make sure that they're really engaging the public, that there's a level of transparency uh, for all of us uh, to see. Again, a document that starts off with yours and my tax dollars, it starts off marked confidential, uh, ought to send up the alarm for all of us. 
Well, you know, and it also seems as if sort of, you know, the quality of care that you get, I mean, mental health decisions are, are never easy and every case is different. Uh, mm-hmm. Organizations like, you know, Wayne Metro and, and some of the community-based people out there are in a position where maybe they can take a, a more individual look at these problems as opposed to having some sort of top-down list of, of here's the procedures, uh, one-size-fits-all kind of approach. And, and I'm wondering if that's something that your fear would be lost through this. And, and absolutely, Craig. I mean, uh, one size doesn't fit all. There's a lot of additional services in the metro area, more psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers. Uh, this is an issue that it will impact not only people in the city of Detroit, uh, but the far reaches of the Upper Peninsula uh, that don't have that care. You don't want decisions making not only uh, not local, but maybe even not even within the state. The corporation could be housed uh, somewhere else within within the state of uh, Michigan or across the country. Um, if you have a problem with your community mental health agency, you can go to uh, to, to a meeting that are held on a monthly basis. Uh, you're not going to be invited in to the corporate boardroom of these large health uh, care agencies or health insurance uh, companies. You probably couldn't get past the security guy, uh, you know, in, in Madison uh, Avenue in, in New York. Uh- as far as how the system would actually change um, in terms of delivery of, of care and, and delivery of services, I mean, would there be a role if this bill were to pass for agencies like Wayne Metro? Um, would they still would they be contracting them with the insurance companies directly or or is it something where you could see sort of a lot of these caseworkers being displaced and, and having to find new jobs within these organizations? Well, I think that what would happen is to begin with uh, the health plans do not have the network that have been set up under the public system that are under uh, that, that responsibility of, for instance, the Detroit Wayne, uh, I think they call it the Integrated Health uh, Agency now. Yep, yep. Um, but it, 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 we've developed those systems. We have it there. So the health plans would have to contract with those, um, but they would squeeze them. Ask any therapist that, uh, that deals with the health agency. They say, here's 60 bucks. Uh, provide the therapy. Um, and you know, well, it would cost me uh, 90 or a hundred dollars to do it tough. We'll go get somebody else. So they'll squeeze the providers in order to maximize profit. That's clearly, uh, what the fear of the provider networks are. And a lot of these uh, relationships, particularly with people that are intellectually and developmentally disabled or people that are with serious mental illness, they've developed relationships with these agencies that go back uh, years, decades in some cases. Uh, and there's fear from parents and advocates alike that those issues, those connections will be broken uh, when the system is broken up. Well, I mean, obviously this is a system that you know well, but uh, you know, is, is Michigan looking at this and, and the Republicans in Michigan who are pushing this and it's coming from Mike Shirky's desk. I just want to make sure people realize that yeah, he is the one that is spearheading yeah. this. Um, are there examples they're looking at uh, from other states where they're saying, well, wait, we, we could import this to Michigan and this will make our system work better. Are there models out there based on what they're trying to do here? There are models. And, and again, the issue of uh, consolidation, the issue of integrating care makes sense. But at the bottom line, my belief is clearly that there ought to be public uh, oversight. There ought to be transparency and that savings, if you will, shouldn't go in uh, to shake uh, stakeholders or shake uh, what is it stakeholders uh, so <laughs> sure. yeah you know and you know and paying tens of millions of dollars 
uh, to CEO's compensation. It should go back to care. Again, at the end of the day, there ought to be transparency and maximizing uh, public dollars for public benefit, not benefiting uh, the bottom line uh, of shareholders and CEOs. Well, you know, there is apparently some language in this, Tom, that suggests that there would be statutory projections against what they call profiteering. I guess my question for you is, who gets to determine what constitutes profiteering under this thing? Uh, look, if you look on, go back in history, it, uh, there's a lot of uh, promises that are put into place that fall away uh, when the public is not there. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. Uh, but why broke? Uh, why break what isn't what isn't broken? Uh, there are ways we can enhance, we can improve, but it clearly isn't a, a good direction, in my estimation, to take three billion dollars and hand it over to the insurance aid agencies and say, let's hope things get better. Well, I have to ask this question and then is full integration of mental health into this whole system possible without some sort of, frankly, you know, Medicare for all system here, uh, some sort of, I mean, do, is this only possible if we actually have, um, you know, a fully public health system, uh, the way that other countries do? Well, you take a look at what's happening in this pandemic. Um, we tout uh, our healthcare system as one of the best in the world. If you can access it. If you can access it, if you have the resources, if you have the uh, proper insurance um, that, that is there. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think very many people are uh, really pleased. Uh, and certainly we've, we saw the system, uh, you know, the wheels come off the wagon. Uh, and and uh, the healthcare system here in the state of Michigan and across this country under the pandemic. Uh, so we have a lot of work to do, and it certainly would make sense if we had a public system. I'm heading off to uh, to Costa Rica, uh, where they do have a, a public uh, system and had it in place for a number of years. Is it perfect? Nope. But at least people have basic healthcare uh, rights in, in countries like uh, Costa Rica, Canada, and some of the other countries in the European Union. You know, one of the arguments for this, though, is that, you know, if indeed you integrate the system um, and it becomes part of your de facto health plan, right, that more people might actually access services that they otherwise would be reluctant to pursue uh, and reluctant to to seek out. And and is there any truth to that? And do you find that most of the people that are definitely in need of mental health services are, are able to find them as easily as they'd like? No, I think, again, I think that there's always room for improvement. I am not sitting here arguing that the public mental health system is uh, is reaching nirvana and that there's nothing that can be done to enhance and improve the system of care. Um, I strove, uh, I tried to do that as state mental health director back in the 80s and 90s, uh, certainly did it uh, for four or five years at the Detroit Wayne Mental Health Authority. Uh, at the end of the day, though, we want a value-driven system that is consumer uh, and uh, family-focused, uh, community-driven, uh, uh, and accountability and high-quality care that's being there with any dollars that uh, that are saved redirected to service, not profit. Well, from your perspective, uh, and, and this is a difficult question to answer at this point in time, you talk about accountability here. Uh, what would make you feel better about a plan like this when it comes to accountability? What things would you need to see in there that would make you think, all right, they've got good intentions here? Well, let's flip the script. If it makes sense to integrate care, which it clearly does, one, that's done at the service level. 
not the administrative level. So let's talk about ways which we can enhance uh, service at, at, at the bottom line where the, the boots, uh, you know, the rubber meets the road. Uh, and that's when counselor to counselor and, and the like. The other is, is that it, the administrative cost in the public system is in fact lower than the administrative cost in the private, the profit uh, sector. So if this makes sense, uh, let's uh, take the dollars from the healthcare uh, insurance company and turn them over to the to the uh, public and let it be managed that way. Uh, if if the argument is just about uh, integrating care, then uh, shouldn't we do it through a system that's more transparent, that uh, puts dollars that are saved back into service, and uh, that the public has some oversight and control over? Yeah, and like I said, it's we don't have a whole lot of information about this at this point in time. Uh, there's a lot of work that would need to be done before this even gets uh, to the floor, but it certainly seems as if they are on this. And, and I mean, is this a thing that you have seen in other places around the country? Uh, is I, I don't want to suggest that this is some sort of like, you know, piece of legislation that goes from state legislature to state legislature, uh, mimic from place to place. But is this something that we're seeing in the system across the country? Uh, to Because it, it seems to be this is one of those things that moves us even further away from you know, uh, socialized medicine, so to speak. It, it is. And, you know, why? We have $3 billion that, that is sitting there that has been under the auspices and control of public policy. Sounds a lot like the car insurance bill here with the <laughs> Catastrophic <laughs> Claims Association. At the bottom line, uh, there's a lot of lobbyists. I mean, let's take a look at, in fact, there has been, I think it was public radio that did a, a story a few years ago. on look at the contributions from the health plans to the people that are making the decisions of where $3 billion a year's of my tax dollars are, are going. Uh, you have people that worked in the system that are uh, lobbyists now for the health plans that are getting big compensation from the health plans in order to push this bill through the legislature. You started off uh, the interview, Greg, asking, is it about care or is it about profit? Well, geez, let me think about that for a moment. I mean, I think the blind can see uh, what is driving this push, uh, and it's really to capture $3 billion of, of yours and my tax dollars that, that'll be pushed over to uh, go to shareholders and, and CEOs. Well, it, this is one of those things, though, that most people don't pay a whole lot of attention to until yeah. they actually need the system, yeah. until they actually have somebody in their family that needs this type of care. Yeah. Uh, what needs to be done to uh, educate people on exactly what is going on with this and, and why it's important that this does not get transferred over to the private insurance companies? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And people need to pay attention to what is going on because you will miss it um, when it is gone. Uh, write your legislator. Uh, talk to the governor, uh, talk to the NAMI, National Alliance of the Mentally Ill, run by a very strong uh, person here, the CEO, Kevin Fisher. Uh, talk to the community mental health agency near you uh, about what you can do, how your voice can be heard, uh, whether you're a parent, a consumer of the service, uh, a person that works in the system. Uh, but you need to speak up and you need to speak up now um, or this could happen in the dark of the night and $3 billion in public oversight could slip away very quickly. 
All right. Well, we'll have to leave it right there. I want to thank my friend Tom Watkins. Again, he is the president and CEO of TDW and Associates, but he has a long history as well, working in the mental health system here in Michigan as president and CEO of Detroit Wayne Mental Health Authority and formerly uh, in charge of that for the state of Michigan as well. Uh, and and Tom, uh, while I've got you here, I, I've been meaning to talk to you for quite a while. So when you get back from Costa Rica, yeah. if you decide to come back, which I would understand why you didn't. Yeah. Um, but we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to China. Um, because you've been writing some really, really provocative stuff uh, about the U.S. relationship with China. You know a ton about it, and I think we will have that conversation when you get back. How about that? That'd be great, and let's talk about education as well, because there's a lot going on right now as we talk about going back to normal, and normal wasn't very good for far too many of our kids. Um, (laughs) We need to talk about ways we can accelerate uh, learning going forward and making sure that $130 billion of uh, uh, stimulus money gets used in a way that really uh, lifts up our teachers and our children. Well, at minimum, uh, let's hope it doesn't stay a political football for a long time because that's what it is right now. Yeah. All right, Tom Watkins. Thank you, sir. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, everybody, for listening to The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. I really do appreciate all of your support. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, it's important that you share it, that you rate this podcast, and that, of course, you subscribe to this podcast. It all helps. And the more sponsors we get, the more interviews we can do, the more shows I can put together. And I certainly do uh, want to make sure that you are enjoying what you're listening to. So if you have suggestions, you can reach out to me. The Craig Folly Show at gmail.com. Again, that's the Craig Folly Show at gmail.com. You can get through to me that way. It's very, very easy to do. And you can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, just about anywhere. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Looking for the latest news and information about our great city of Detroit? Head to DeadlineDetroit.com for one-stop shopping for the most important stories of the day. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in town, providing original reporting, videos, and podcasts that keep you in the know about everything happening in Detroit. Become a member today, and you'll automatically be entered into a drawing for prizes, including gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Go to DeadlineDetroit.com membership.